What is up, Arizona? Welcome to the Arizona Small Ball Podcast, where we discuss one of the hidden gems in Arizona, high school basketball. Here we cover everything small ball, and as coaches in the Valley, we understand that these guys don't get enough love or recognition. We're here to advocate for them and show them some love. We talk about scores, coaches, teams, and players all at Arizona Small Ball. Coach's Corner is back in full swing, and today we're going to get inside the mind of Scottsdale Christian and talk to head coach John Anderson. We're going to talk about his program, and we're also going to look at his championship squad. Big Reyes is here with me as always, but before we jump in, check this out. My favorite coach always says that only one team gets to end their season exactly the way that they want to. We got Coach John Anderson on here with us, who definitely ended his season the way he wanted to. He was the 2A Metro Coach of the Year and the head coach of the 2021 state champion, Scottsdale Christian. Coach, thanks so much for hopping on the show. Are you still riding pretty high after that championship win? Thank you. Yep. Thank you for having me. 100%. Still, uh, still hasn't worn off. Still, when I show up at school and see the guys, you know, it's instant smiles and, uh, so it's, it's pretty awesome. And yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, like I mentioned before, I appreciate you guys um, bringing attention to small bas- small school basketball here in Arizona. So I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And coach, just honestly, when I'm celebrating, I definitely love to eat a lot of food. Did you eat anything special after that win? You know, um, we did. Well, nothing special, but uh, my wife had kind of lined up. She's like, hey, I'm going to line up something for after the game. And I was like, listen, don't tell me what it is because I don't. I don't want to know what I potentially missed out on. So I said, just plan something. And if we win, we'll go do it. And so she didn't tell me. And then after the win, she said, Hey, we got, we're, we're doing pizza back at our school. Um, because she obviously she called around to a bunch of restaurants and it was like, you know, at that point it's already nine 30 at night when you're out of the gym and like no restaurants sure, were sure. open. So it was actually really cool. We went back to the school, sat in the cafeteria, parents came and we had, we had a bunch of pizza and just kind of, uh, reminisced about the the crazy victory. So it was cool. Just a side note, too. I also eat a lot when we lose, so <laughs> basketball season is kind of rough on the way for me. Uh, that's right. Um, yeah, it's rough. Reyes can yeah, kind of I, I can definitely that too. <laughs> um, so, so, Coach, tell me a little bit about your playing career. You're a Scottsdale Christian alumni, correct? Correct. Yeah, I grew up. I actually went K through 12 there, so born and raised through SCA. Um, ended up, uh, you know, making varsity my junior year. Um, and, uh, I was lucky enough to be on just a, a phenomenal team. It was, it was senior led. I was the, like the lone junior, uh, for the most part on the team and, um, ended up having a really successful season. I believe we went 30 and three, um, won an over wow. overtime game in the championship game. Uh, and then Man. my senior year was a completely different story. Um, we basically literally graduated like 10 seniors. It was myself as like the lone returning player. Um, and then it was a bunch of juniors underneath me. Um, and we were kind of picked to be last in our region. We ended up barely squeaking into the state tournament. Um, we won the third, fourth place game in our region in order to get in. And then in in the state tournament, we won a play in game in order to actually be in the state tournament. And we just went on an absolute tear, um, and went and won, uh, the state championship. So yeah, I ended up finishing my, my junior and senior year winning state. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to get um, uh, a scholarship to go play at Point Loma Nazarene University on San Diego, which, um, you know, was, was kind of my second home here growing up in Arizona. And if you've never been to that school, Google it, look at the views that, that I got to look at 
um, every day at practice and a water break, you open up the doors and you're staring at the ocean. Um, and it was just a really great, Coach, it's, beautiful. it's so nice. I love it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, their recruiting pitch to just be, Hey, you know, come up, come to our campus and you'll, you'll want to be here. And I had a great experience there. It was a, was a four-year starter and, um, just had a really fun time, you know, ended up meeting my wife there at Point Loma, um, and just ended up just a great life experience, great life choice. And, um, you know, that's what basketball has given me kind of my whole life is just opportunities, um, to, you know, to have a lot of fun and, and meet new people. And it's just been a joy. I read somewhere that you were pretty good at blocking some shots over at Point Lobo. Uh, yeah, I think I still got the records over there. Um, I, I, Ooh, okay. I, I think I set some at here at Scottsdale Christian in 2A when I played. And then, um, you know, but again, you're like, okay, I don't know if that's going to transfer over into college, right? You know, I'm here I am playing right. against, you know, much smaller kids. And I remember even my college coach at the time when I got over there, he's like, yeah, John, you know, okay, you set a whole lot of records in high school, but it's really not going to translate here in college. And um, ended up, I think it was my senior year, I, I averaged about five blocks a game. Um, wow. And wow. Set, set, set the, you know, the all-time career record at Point Loma for um, career season and like seven out of the 10 top games. So um, they, they allowed me to do it. Um, I kind of just had a little knack for it. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So. You're good at blocking shots. I know you got dunked on a couple times. Have you ever gotten posterized? Before? Yeah, there was one um, against Azusa Pacific. <laughs> um, his name was actually Caleb Caleb Gervin. Uh, he was like he was like the nephew of of the Iceman Gervin from the NBA, and Ooh. he caught me on he caught oh, me on a lot. But um, but I got him back too. I remember specifically getting him back, um, dunked on him. So you know that I took I took that personally. So, um, but no, awesome. yeah, I, at least you got him back. I always tried to, I always, I never tried to let anybody dunk, you know, that was, I mean, I'm, I wasn't scared of it. Hey, if you can dunk over me, uh, you know, great job. I'll try to get you back next time. But, um, no, it was a lot of fun. How, how tall, how tall are you? Uh, six, seven. Oh, six, seven, yeah. man. So you got some size in your family? Uh, ironically, no. So my, my dad is about five eleven, and my mom's about five, seven. Um, and then I got, man, you got I know, lucky, I know. Man. So I, my two brothers, they're like six, three and six, two. So they're, they're decent height, but my sister's like five, three. So it was just weird. I kind of got, oh kind of got the lucky draw of the gene pool. And, um, I got some like crazy height, um, up on like my, my great uncles, like one of my great uncles was like seven, six or something like that. So oh, wow. somehow, somehow <laughs> it tweaked down to me a little bit and it, you know, it helped me play the game of basketball. So it was pretty cool. No, that's awesome, Coach. Hey, I get you, man. I'm also the tallest person in my family, and everyone in my family always says I'm a giant. <laughs> um, I'm also five nine, though, so it's a little bit of it's a little different. But hey, you're, you know, you're a giant. We actually you're a giant for somebody else. Yeah, that's all that matters. Right. It's all yep, relative, 100%. right? We we actually went to Point Loma for a summer tournament a few years back, and we went and played at Venice Beach, and it was so yeah. fun. Uh, you ever go and, and ball up uh, over at there? Point Loma or over in like LA area? Like in Venice uh, Beach? Yeah, I did it once in like college. So I I remember we were at we went to a wedding or something and ended up playing outdoors at that court. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's it's definitely different, you know, especially coming from Arizona. It's like um, it's yeah. a different game out there on that on that those outdoor courts, but it's it. it uh, Anything That's goes, right. huh? Yeah, be prepared to play, you know. <laughs> so, so coach, have you always been pretty talented at basketball? Um, yeah, I think just, you know, relatively speaking, I was no no NBA prospect or anything like that, but I mean, kind of grew up um, 
my my uh my family runs a campground that um allows groups to come in and use the facilities and stay there and and so back in the day this was back in like the mid 90s um Paul Westfall was the head coach of the uh of the Suns and uh him and his brother uh Bill Westfall they ran a camp called Bill uh, Westfall Brothers Basketball Camp and if you played basketball back in the 90s um here in the valley like you you were at that camp it was like it was like 8 weeks straight of camp it was week one one after another weeks and um so and i mean i worked up there my my family was was running the camp and so i would literally just be put in be put in the right. camp every single week um and one summer i did did literally eight straight weeks of basketball camp so i really built just this like this core like fundamentals so you know i'm like i could do anything left hand right hand you just um that's what they taught back then so i from a young age i i just learned really well um the 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 simple game, the fundamentals and it, you know, it translated well in, in high school and, yeah. and obviously then it, it allowed me to go play in college. So, you know, I'm definitely fortunate and, and um, thankful for those opportunities I got, uh, you know, they don't have that anymore. Now today is, you know, it's all, Hey, what, what trainer are you training with? It's all like, you know, who, you know, and, yeah. and you got to build your skills by yourself. And some, sometimes I wish they had camps like this that were just like, you know, that's so go, true. Go away coach. for seven days, no parent involvement. Go have fun with your friends, and and you know, it's yeah. I miss that. I miss those days. I mean, all three of us could probably talk about how many opportunities we've gotten because of basketball, and basketball is just the bomb. exactly just the, the life lessons I mean, you learn, awesome. the people you meet. It's it really is a there's a shared camaraderie. It doesn't matter if it's your enemy that you're playing against or your your best friend. You know, you have a commonality in it usually um is is involves fun yeah yeah for sure so okay tell me about your family coach like how long have you been married for so yeah kids? so i uh, met my wife brie at point loma she was a nursing major and i was a you know a dork college player that apparently she thought i was semi-attractive enough to go out on a date so um, <laughs> we, started dating and we, met. we got married in 2003 so <laughs> if i do my math correct i'm coming up on to 18 years right now i'm so 17 years 18 years in june um and i have two kids nice. my daughter bella um is a is 15 and a half just got her permit and um and then i got a son who's 13 <laughs> so it's so it's a sophomore in high school and then a seventh grader and um yeah super blessed to have one of each they're both super different they're both awesome awesome kids and my daughter's into volleyball plays high level club and then my son um naturally plays basketball and i'm currently coaching his, his middle school Naturally. team at, at Scottsdale Christian. So, you know, the grind never stops and I'm, you know, hopefully looking forward to coaching him in high yeah. school. That's cool. So, so coach really quick, yeah. you got to give me some advice. All right. Okay. I got two amazing girls. Okay. They're both under the age of five. I'm yep. way outnumbered in the home yep. right now. It's, you know, three yep. to one. I keep hearing that like boys are way easier to raise than girls. Who, who would you say is easier to raise girls or boys? Yeah, for sure. At least right now it's, it's uh boys. Um, but that being said, okay. you know, my son has not reached, you know, the, the, the high school age yet where my daughter has. And so that, you know, that's where I think right. it becomes, and, you know, younger. I think my son Tyler was just in general, an easier kid, just um, super happy kid. My daughter was like, Hey, I'm not going to sleep tonight, you know, when I'm two years old, like, um, just those kind of nights here. Um, but, um, you know, I think the high school, right. I, haven't, I haven't seen my son yet in high school. So I'm sure when I get there, I'm going to lose even more hair, 
but they're both re- really good kids. I, I can't, I can't about it, but like they're, they're really good kids. And we're blessed to, to have two awesome kids. No, that's awesome. Coach What led you back to Scottsdale. Yeah. So, um, out, out of school, actually the game of basketball got me my first job. Um, you know, it's a common theme, just that, that marketing and the people you, you meet. I actually took a, a job up in Sacramento as a, uh, working for an asset management firm. I had my degree in business with emphasis in finance. So decided to go there. My wife was a nurse and could basically go anywhere she wanted, especially at the time in 2004, it was, there was a shortage everywhere. Nice. So, um, so we went up there for a couple of years, um, and was studying for, to get my, uh, my CFA, uh, degree. And, um, we had our daughter up there and quickly realized that, you know, there's no family around and, you know, raising a kid and you realize, you know, Hey, my, my siblings are all, uh, not around. My parents aren't around. Her parents were down in San Diego at the time. So we just kind of felt this calling to come back to either San Diego where her parents were or, or Scottsdale, uh, where, where my family was. And, and Scottsdale at the time was way cheaper. It probably still is way cheaper than San Diego. So decided to come back here. And, um, so moved back in 2006 back here and, um, you know, super happy here. I loved it. I mean, this is where I grew up. I was born and raised in, in Scottsdale. So, um, you know, it felt like home when we got back, I just had to, you know, convince my wife that the summers weren't that terrible, you know, cause she's a California <laughs> girl that, you know, loves, loves the ocean. And right. um, it took some convincing, but you know, she's, she's super happy here now. She loves it. But that's a common theme. Like I, I know a lot of people that are from California or even other States and then they don't want to come to Arizona, but for some reason after like that first, like maybe a couple years, they love Arizona. Yeah, I think Arizona. I think Arizona is a great state. Yeah, honestly, it is. It is. I mean, it's there's the a ball, couple dude. rough months there, but when you when you learn yes. to manage it, you know, you you figure out what you know. Go to the pool, be in the water, be in the shade. You know, everything's built for the for that heat. So, um, just learn to manage it, and you'll be okay. So, yeah. So other than that, so you're not a teacher at Scottsdale, correct? Right? No, I'm. Uh, yeah, I work with my my siblings. Um, we run, we run a couple family businesses. We're in the car wash business. So. Uh, Oh really? Yeah. What what car washes? Um, it's actually we're in the we're in the dealership side, so we we manufacture car mm-hmm. washes um, and install them at car dealerships around the valley, and we're like a we're we're a full service company, so we take care of the car washes, we lease the equipment to the dealerships. So it's a it's a pretty niche business. Um, yeah, and it's I mean I'm blessed to get to work with my brother, sister, and my cousin. Um, and we got a couple other employees, so you know it gives us enough freedom to to do these little extra things like coach. Um, basketball, my, my brother-in-law coaches yeah. volleyball at SCA that for boys, um, you know, so they, we like to be involved at the school and, um, you know, it's a lot of fun. And how long have you and your family been doing this? So, uh, for this business that, that we run has been over, over 35 years or so. So wow. yeah, my, my siblings, they're a little bit older than me that once they graduated, they kind of took over the business. And then once I moved back, I jumped okay. into it. So yeah, I've been doing it for a while. That's awesome. Coach, how much would we have to pay you to come remodel our lot? <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. That's uh, yeah, that was a labor of love. That's for sure. I don't, and I, and I do that. I do that in the sense of like I do so a lot of home projects. Um, you know, where where my wife, when we have right. friends come over, like, yeah, and John did this, and John did this, and you know, it's immediately, hey, can you come do that at our house? And I'm just like, no, <laughs> it's it's exhausting. You know, look, do you ever want to come up here and do that for us? We are not. Yeah, I, don't, I know <laughs> exactly. I don't, I don't know if that's the thing. I don't know if I could put a price to it because it's just one of those like you have to love doing it in order to actually get through the process of doing it. And you know, I definitely wanted to give the kids something special and right. leave something there in the future. And uh, 
yeah, it turned out really well. I'm, I think I'm going to try to do the girls locker room right now. We share it. We share it with the boys and girls programs, um, but I'm going to try to do one in the girls locker room too. So that's my next, the next gotcha. project. So moving a little bit more onto like the basketball side of things. <laughs> um, as we all know, you play for Scottsdale. It's a really well-run program. It's been well-run throughout these whole years. So it's always difficult when like a coaching change happens. So I wanted to ask you, like, how difficult was it to follow into someone's footsteps as Coach Frederick? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, obviously what Bob, what Coach Fredericks had done is, um, is not matched really in Arizona. There's a short list of people that have done what he's done. Um, but that being said that, you know, when he brought me on, uh, six years ago now and asked me to come be an assistant coach, you know, he was the one that really was in, kind of encouraging me to be like, Hey, you're going to be the one that's, that's going to be taking over. He was the one who re- really planted the seed at first. I'm like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm just helping out. And then year by year that went by, I'm like, Oh, okay, well maybe, you know, and, and I really developed a passion for it. Um, and he really helped yeah. facilitate just kind of that, that transition. And he made it super easy on me every year that went by, he gave me more and more responsibilities. Um, and so it really wasn't a drastic transition, especially with the boys that were already on the team. I mean, um, they had been hearing, you know, his voice obviously, but my voice as well, a lot in the last couple of years. And, um, so it wasn't as difficult as you might think other than the, the expectation or the pressure of. You're the, you're the next guy in line. And, you know, I think that brings a certain level of pressure, but I mean, so I, I'm not gonna, it's not like I'm gonna like cave and crumple over or anything. I just, you know, I do what he, (laughs) do what he taught me, do, do the things I learned from him and throw my little, uh, you know, my ways of doing into it. And if, if I make a mistake, learn from it and, and readjust and, uh, you know, do it better next time. So that you said that because whenever I watch you guys play, the first thing that comes to mind is, how patient you guys are in the half court. Like, coach, you guys are so patient with your kids. Like, you, you guys just get what you, what you want. want you coach. Every kid bought into that offense. I just got to know, like, how do you create a culture like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, it, or how do you keep maintaining it? Yeah, it kind of starts with our, you know, we, we, we have an offensive philosophy. We have an offensive philosophy, we have a defensive philosophy. And our guys, we really, we really sell it to our guys on, you know, and our offensive philosophy is, um, you know, what's, what's the purpose of the offense, obviously to score. So, you know, we want to create advantages within our offense. We want to use our motion. We use, we want to use our set plays to create the best advantage we can create. We want to take high percentage shots at the hoop. We want to shoot with our shooters at the three point line. You know, we really emphasize those two locations and really teach our boys and show them how you get these looks. And, um, you know, over the past couple of years, we've developed a pretty, extensive um you know offensive playbook we probably have well over 30 to 40 sets that we run um along with you know we got five or six motion offenses and not like we use those each game we 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 mix them up we you know because if when people get a hold of film it's like oh hey i've seen this set before well you know sorry we're not running that against you we're running a whole different play package you have to define what's a good shot and what's a bad shot and if, if the players don't know that, then they'll, then they'll shoot the bad shots and, and they don't know any, anything different. So once you teach them what that good shot is, and, and then once they start to trust you and believe in you and believe in their teammates, then you really open up, um, you know, opportunities on offense. And, uh, you know, it's tough. If you guys watch any of those playoff games, it's tough to come away with, with buckets. I mean, it's between the, between the pressure and the defense that's so being played, you, you better be ready to, um, you know, execute. And, uh, and even then it's still a difficult thing. So, 
Um, our guys have really bought into our system. Coach Fredericks has done a great job over the years at really um, creating a system of, of that type of, you know, patience. And uh, um, our guys this year obviously executed really well with it. I agree with that totally. And now, like, with that culture, like I said, you guys, I feel like you guys have some quiet leaders on your team. Can you describe, like, your team captains and how – how they helped in their own way yeah. this team for this team. This yeah. Year. So I, you know, we, uh, we I had four captains this year. They were all seniors. They've all been on the program for a, a few years. It was Ryan Olinger, uh, Matthew fan, Drew Zittle and uh, Jacob Eckery. And I could have probably picked one or two to just be the captains, but I really kind of wanted those, um, you know, Matt and Rusty were the most Matt and Ryan, we call them Rusty um, were the most experienced in terms of uh, veterans on the court. I mean, Matt, <laughs> Matt was a huge part of our, um, state championship run in 2019. Um, so, you know, you could have easily labeled those two as the captains, but, but Drew, um, whose first sport is baseball is just like a, he's just a natural leader. He's a, he's a lead by example kid. He does everything right. He's, he's like, he's a coach's dream. And then you've got Jacob Eckery who, um, who's just worked so hard and, and he wants to be a part of the, the program and, and puts his heart and soul into it. So, I kind of, when I, when we were deciding between coach Clark and myself about what captains we were going to have, we kind of looked and said, Hey, why not give these other guys the opportunity to lead? Because they, they already are natural leaders. Um, let's, let's put the trust in them. Let's, let's help them build right. their confidence. And, you know, they, they like, you know, I, I would label all four of them quiet leaders because they all lead by example. They're none of them are like, you know, they're not screamers. They're not overly, um, outgoing. They just, they just do what you want. They say, yes, coach. And then they go do it. And I mean, like what, what better leaders would you want than that? So, you know, that's, that's why exactly. I describe them all four of them as quiet leaders. Sometimes I, we did have a, a, you know, a couple, um, team meetings and devotions about, about the guys finding their voice. You know, at some point you do have to say, all right, leaders step up and you need to be vocal sometimes because you guys are the coaches on the floor and, um, you know, kind of challenged Matt to be that. And, you know, he did step up, uh, especially towards the end of the season. All right. So, Coach, we have had this ongoing debate on the show as to who is better between the fan brothers. Obviously, they're both amazing kids. Do you feel like Michael Fan has reached his potential in any way? Oh, Fan has not nearly reached his potential yet. Um, and Matt, he is, he is a good player. but um, He's a Matt good player, fan, man. I mean, will go down as one of the best point guards in, in Scottsdale Christian history. Um, he is so tough. Yeah, so the the debate right now is settled, but he's also Matt is Matt is two years two years older than him, <laughs> and Matt, you know, Matt as a sophomore um, was kind of coming Absolutely. into his own. Especially, it was a really talented team that that he was on, and he ended up earning a starting position towards the second half of that that year. and And he was he was very uh, he was a big part of our championship run. Um, and the same could be said for Michael. Michael started to get great opportunities towards the end of the year and and was really played a key key role in a couple of those playoff victories right. especially against Santan came in when we got in foul trouble knocked down a huge three um and you know helped helped run our offense so Michael hasn't had the opportunities that Matthew has um I'd like to say that Michael has all the opportunity that that Matt does he's got the potential there he is he is a little bit taller and a little bit stronger um but no Matt Matt right now I mean is He's just, he's a killer out there. He's, and he's so unassuming teams will look at him and go, Oh no, we can lock him up. He knew what they were going to do. He, he, you know, baited them into things on defense and, and lulled people to sleep with his hesitation. And, 
you know, last year, last year, he, he literally shot 50% from the three point line this year was a little lower than that because he just had more, he had higher quantity, but um, kids, kids, a ridiculous player. Well, that's what we that's what we were gonna say too. Because last right. podcast we were talking about him and how like a lot of teams like looks are deceiving with yep. that kid, yep. but just from watching him, he is so patient and like when you think you're gonna have him trapped in like a full court, he just he's just so patient with it. And he's just a smart. His IQ is yep. really high. Uh, and he sees the court very yeah. well. And I, like like you said, he shoots the ball so well. Like even in transition, yep. Yep. and hoping that his brother kind of follows in the same footsteps and path that he did. And I mean, he'll be. Uh, the, the, those the fan brothers definitely will make their mark on SCA basketball. Also, Ryan Olinger, coach, we cannot let you get off the show before we talk about this. He had a career night this year, 45 points in 18 minutes. Can you just clear this up for us? How many dribbles did it take for him to get 45 points in 18 minutes, coach? He had two dribbles to score those 45 points. And his literally his 45th point, the three-pointer that he hit, that was his fight. He took one dribble and knocked it down from about 25 feet. So he had one dribble up. He had wow. one dribble up into 42 points and then took took a second dribble on his 45th point. He can drive if he wants. He takes to the hole pretty well. But, you know, he is a, he is a catch-and-shoot guy. And uh, that, I mean, as soon as that game was over, that was just, okay, you're now mini clay. You know, that's, that's what it was. His uh, older sister plays volleyball at Boise State. She's a sophomore over there. And they... She's like she won like freshman of the year. She's just a phenomenal mm-hmm. volleyball player, and she actually had a game that 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 afternoon. They, or no, that evening. So so Ryan's parents were sitting up in the stands on their iPad watching her play at Boise State, and then watching him put up forty five. So it was a pretty pretty cool moment to be uh, an Olinger. You know that night uh, they should be super proud of their kids. We actually took a poll, and a bunch of coaches, including yourself, as two answered. Uh, what was the hardest thing for your team to overcome this year? And you talked about the mental and emotional side of things. So I just kind of wanted you to brief us over and probably go a little bit more deeper to like on what you meant by yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I think that just starting from the pandemic of last a year ago today, right? You know, when things started shutting down, you you had all of these grand plans. We had a whole summer plan. We had, you know, and, and even then when things were unknown in the beginning, like, oh, yeah, no, I think we're going to be able to go, go to California. You know, California's still open at this time, you know, and you plan for all these things. And then you have to consistently we were just being told, no, 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 we couldn't go. No, you can't get in the gym. No. And so it was just this constant like things were getting canceled. You never knew when it was going to end. And that literally led all the way through the fall up until the point of our season, you know, we thought we were starting what December 1st and then, Oh, no, we're going to push back to the, to December 18th, you know, and December 18th, you're going to start. Oh, so you know, this won't change. Okay. We're going to actually change it to January 5th. And so you keep telling your kids these things and you say, trust me, believe me, this is going to happen. We're going to be playing. And then it happens again. And then they cancel the season. And, and you're just like, you know, you, you, your heart breaks for these kids that have, you know, are basically living in this just world of, of being canceled. And, um, you know, we did everything proper that we could, you know, the, the procedures, the, the mask wearing, the hand washing, the temperature taking, that was the easy part, right? You just, you you do what you need to do to, to, to be able to play, but it was that like emotional toll of, of the unknown. And then even through the season, I, you know, my athletic director calls me a few times a day, you know, as we talk about whatever the, the game plans or the travel or, or this school's policies as we're heading there. And every time he calls and I, I look at it and I hit answer, I'm, I'm waiting for him to say, Hey, 
your guys got exposed or, Hey, somebody tested positive. So there's just, you know, that's the boys. Every time you would meet with them, you, they were, they, they had this look in their eye, like, Oh no, what's it going to be today? And that's hard. You know, these us as adults, it's, it's hard enough. Uh, but to be a kid right now, um, you know, and just give these, these, all these boys props, everybody who played the season um, to go through that, they really, I'm hoping that they learned positive um, lessons through it, you know, throughout the, the, the kind of like disappointment that was there. I hope that they learned lessons of, um, you know, just being persistent and, uh, and just grinding and sticking with it. So mm, I agree. It was, it was so difficult, like even for, and what you were saying is exactly what I was thinking too. all of us, that it's hard enough for us. We can't imagine yeah. these kids dealing with all this stuff. And, you know, uh, even for us, you know, it was difficult because at the beginning of the year, we had a lot of kids yeah. missing practice for yep. things like a headache. Yep. And that was just killing us because we couldn't, no, we couldn't yeah. say you have to come. I mean, we just would have kids come into practice in previous years when they had yeah. the flu and just have them yeah. sit on the sideline with like a bathrobe on. And I mean, we had to start having kids FaceTime us for the whole practice so we could try to keep them up with what was going yeah. on. It it's, was just, it, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, sad, man. obviously, that, you know, the heartbreak that goes with everything that's happened, everybody who's who's passed away. And, you know, it, it's just been a terrible year. And so to be able to give the boys something that, um, you know, hopefully is a positive memory, you know, for our boys, especially, I think it is, but, you know, even all the other teams, hopefully they used it as a way to kind of pull them out of any, you know, mental struggles they were going through or emotional struggles. And, you know, that's, that's what I think the game of basketball brings is, is they bring so much to life uh, lessons. And um, so, you know, that's what I hope all across the Valley and everywhere that, um, and hopefully people had good experiences with it and it helped them through through this pandemic. Let's talk championship. As coaches, we love to reminisce over great games. How do you prepare your kids? Yeah, for you know, so I mean, leading huge. up to it, you know, we had shown um, earlier in the week leading up to the semifinals and championship game, you know, we had shown like our, our state championship run two years ago. Um, we showed like the highlight film of it. And uh, and because a few of the boys, you know, right between Ryan, Matt was a starter on the team. Ryan was on the bench. Garrison and Braden were on the bench. They didn't they never played, but they were there. And so just to show them like, hey. It's in your DNA, right. guys. You know, first of all, you're you're playing at Scottsdale Christian right now. There's, there's uh, this is what we do. This is this is who we are. But not only that, you've been a part of these games, whether or not you were physically on the court contributing or whether you're on the bench. You've been in this situation. You've dreamed about this situation for a long time. So there's the you know the mental preparation side of it, but then you know there's obviously the the basketball side of it. And we had. You know, we had been planning and preparing for these games earlier in the season. We had we'd been working on new sets that nobody had seen. We've been working on a new defense that nobody had seen. So you definitely try to go in prepared from a game planning standpoint and then also, um, you know, that emotional and mental standpoint. And but really, you don't want to treat it any you don't want to treat it differently than a normal game. I mean, you want you want all your procedures to be the same. You want the game plan right. to feel similar. You you don't want the boys to get caught up in the moment. And so there's a certain level of consist consistency that you want to keep. And, you know, I, we tried to do that. Um, you obviously, if you guys watched the game, you would know our, our first half was, was, was not good, you know? And, and then on the flip side, Rancho was just on fire, you know, kind of punches was hitting. I mean, it was like, it was one of those, like you kind of put your hands up in the air and you say, Hey, 
man, they, they are, they are winning this game and kudos to them. They're, they're doing what needs to be done to win a state championship. And um, so, yeah, I was, uh, I, I was definitely questioning my, my game prep uh, up until that point. Yeah. And, and watching that first half, I was thinking that man, Rancho is just unconscious right now. They're draining. And I thought that your kid, you know, I feel like one of the hardest things in basketball is continuing to play hard, even when yeah. your offense is not necessarily clicking. Not, not that you're not yep. getting good shots, but they're just not going down. But I was reading an article and you said this in the championship game, walking into the locker room, I had no doubt that we could get it done. What do you say to your team at halftime, coach? And at that point, do you feel like it's an execution problem? It's not a matter of execution. Um, sure, maybe there's a few shots here and there that were, that were maybe rushed or early in the offense, but we, we kind of gave our, the kids a green light before the game. We said, hey, man, they're, if they're going to man press us, they're going to put some pressure on us, I want to push that ball down the court. And when you get an open look, Ryan, you get an open look, Matt, you get an open look, Garrison, you get an open look, you put that thing up because they play really good half-court defense. So if we're able to get a good look in that transition, I want to put it up. And we did. We got those looks up. We just weren't hitting them. So, you know, first of all, I met with the coach. And I was like, hey, you know, right. I, don't hate, I don't hate this half. I, I hate the fact that we're not hitting and they're hitting. But, you know, other than that, it's a law of averages. So uh, we went to the locker room. I remember I crouched down right in front of this, you know, we're in this tiny, tiny locker room. I crouched down right in front of them, and I said, I go, hey, guys, we're good. We're good. I, t- I have, I have full belief in you. I said, this is a law of averages. We're not going to shoot like that again. And they're not going to shoot like that again. So, you know, just, just go out there with full confidence in yourself, trust your teammates. Um, it was really, it was a really quick halftime. I wanted them to get back out on the court and, and get shots up. Uh, Cause I think they, I needed them to see the ball go through. Um, so we got them out pretty quickly and they got shots up, and I remember pulling them. We, we, you know, I called our first three plays that we run out with, pulled pulled those the five starters together, and and um, we had watched it in preparation for this for the semifinals championship. We had watched the 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 end of the the last dance with Jordan. You know, he said in that he said, "Hey, you know, all it takes is a match to to get the fire going." And so, um, you know, we pulled them together. I said the first three plays, and I, you know, I, I told the boys, I said guys, all it takes is a match right now to get this fire going. And uh, first play down, uh, Rusty hits mm. a three. And I mean, saw it go in. I'm like, there it is. Right. There's the match. You know, there's the spark that we need. And literally our first three possessions, it was three, three, three. Um, and I was like, all right, boy, now, the, you know, the boys got the message. Here we go. Let's, 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 let's get after it. Now, now, on the flip side, give credit to Rancho. They answered each one of those threes. So they knocked down a three. They knocked down a two. So it was definitely not like, hey, we're back in it. It was just, hey, we've got, we've got you know, 16 minutes to get this done. So let's, let's just keep chipping away. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you guys saw it, it definitely was. I mean, it wasn't until 45 seconds left that we tied it. So, so Coach, and I, I love everything about what you just said because it's just – it's all so true. And I feel like so many times we say that to our kids and I don't know, yeah. maybe not every time it, it happens just like that, but man, it's awesome how it, how it works out like that. So talk us through the last two minutes of the game because you are very blessed to have a lot of different options down the stretch for your team. Uh, Garrison Sherman, Matthew Fan, and Ryan Olinger all could and should have had a legit shot at winning player of the year. They're that talented of a player. 
Now the problem is I have three of huh. them. You got also got to remember that you got to have some sort of balance there. The, the, we play better when, when all three of those guys are involved. So, you know, and I typically don't call plays um, to one of those guys. Like, it's not like, oh, tonight it's Matt's turn or tonight it's Ryan's turn. It's just, hey, here's our play. And they know that play and sure. what role they're supposed to be in it. And some plays are for Ryan, some are for Matt, some are for Gerson, some are for Braden. You know, so everybody's got their own plays. And, you know, in those last two minutes, um, they, the plays that we called were it wasn't specifically for the person. It was just it was just that play called and that's where they were supposed to be. And obviously Garrison knocked down that huge three on that on that sideline out of bounds play. Um, you know, we were down. It really it needed to be a perfect two minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, we were down four. Garrison hit that three big three on that sideline and we had just stolen the ball, ran that play, knocked it down, got down one. Mm-hmm. We ended up fouling them. Um, you know, it was a light foul, but I was okay with it, uh, which put sent them to the free throw line. They knocked down two. Then we had to come down. We had a couple looks, ended up Ekri, um, saving our, our butts once again, uh, tipping the ball out of bounds and was off, off Ramos, uh, which set up an out of bounds play, got Ryan driving to the hoop and kicked it out to Ekri for that three. So it really was just a sequence of Rancho. And the thing is like credit to Rancho is like, they didn't skip a beat with it. Like they did what they were supposed to. They were fouled. They knocked down their free throws. They, you know, we fouled them again. They knocked down their free throws. Exactly. It's just, we had to keep chipping away. And those three pointers is how we gain that point every single time. So coach, tell us about Jacob Ikre. I mean, the kid, he's got to be clutch, right? I mean, we looked at his free throw percentage, 55%. Uh, tell us a little bit about Jacob Ikre. I'm a kid who's been in our program forever. Um, I mean, since freshman, uh, he got pulled up onto varsity at the end of the season, was was on varsity as a sophomore when we won state in 19. Uh, and then even as a junior last year, um, he he was kind of like the the seventh, eighth man in the rotation. He he never and, and this was like one of the first meetings I had when I took over back in March of last year. And it was actually a Zoom meeting because we couldn't we couldn't meet with the kids because of because of Corona. And um, I remember having a Zoom meeting sure. with him and I said, you know, I told him in, uh, in the semifinal game last year when we lost to Trivium in double overtime, uh, Matthew Pham fouled out in overtime. And, um, you know, uh, Jacob was our backup point guard. And we also had Garrison. We actually ended up putting Garrison in. And Garrison did great. He had a huge bucket in that game um, to tie it or to take the lead. But I remember starting that Zoom call with Jacob. And I said, hey, Jacob, first of all, I'm going to apologize. I'm sorry. I don't think we used you like we could have. I, I think that we missed opportunities for you last year. And um, I wanted to let him know that I wanted to believe in him. Mm. That I wanted to put the confidence in him. And cause I think he was a kid that always kind of lacked in confidence and um, you know, he's a backup point guard to Matthew fan. I'm sorry, Matthew fan <laughs> doesn't come off the floor. That's a tough spot to be in. And so but Jacob, he's, you know, he's six foot, he's strong. He's about 190 pounds. Um, and he's fast and he's strong. So I challenged him. I said, Hey, I'm going to put you in a new role this year. I want to put you at the four. I want you to run the court. I want you to, you're big enough and strong enough to guard fours. And I want you to, to create havoc with your speed and your moves around the basket. He's a really good ball handler because he was a one, right? So, so this whole year was him learning a new position just to get him on the court. Um, and he really thrived in it. He, and he became kind of one of our defensive stoppers. You know, they only averaged about five points a game. He wasn't one of our three-point shooters. You know, he'd shoot him when he was open. Um, but he was just known as kind of that, like, X-factor guy that was, like, guarded the hardest player. You know, he guarded Noah in that game ridiculously well. 
Um, and but we never really ran plays for him, you know, because when you got a Ryan, a Matthew, and a Garrison, you go with your highest percentage shooters. And um, so the way that it happened was just, I mean, you know, call it <laughs> destiny. Uh, the fact that he hit that three, that was the fourth three pointer he had made of the season. And two of those three, two of the two of those three pointers he hit were oh, half court oh, shots. Man. Oh my shooters. god! So he was. He was he had he had hit one three up into that point. And so it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, it's a total God thing, like just the confidence that that we had been trying to build in him, but he didn't we didn't give him the opportunity. So when you asked, was he a clutch player? Well, we didn't give him the opportunity to be clutch. He was always ready and he was always willing to do whatever. And that's the beauty of Jacob is like you tell him what to do and he puts his head down and he does it. And, you know, lo and behold, he's the kid shooting the three in the corner with with 45 seconds left and knocks it down. And you're like, man, Jacob, that was the biggest shot of your life. You know, and up to that up to that point, he carried us in the first half with his offensive <laughs> bounds and effort. And uh, so for it to happen, right. the play wasn't drawn up for necessarily for Jacob to shoot that three. It was, hey, push the ball up and just get shooters flying and, and you know, create some opportunity. And just so happened that Jacob got fouled. And, you know, it's again, it's one of those things. And the, the craziest part about this story is um, when we broke from that timeout, you know, I told them, I said, hey, if there's time left on the clock and they're tight on you, pump fake. You know, if you can pump fake and draw contact, I'll take three free throws at the free throw line. Like that's a that's a fine situation for me. Um, so I told the kids to prepare for that. Um, right. And as we broke, Coach Clark, um, my assistant, he, he came up to me, literally said, coach they're going to foul us on a three point shot and we're going to make three free throws to win this game. Oh my God. And he told me that as they were walking out and I just remember being like, okay, okay, coach. No. Yeah. That's I, I, I want to believe that, you know, because that would be a great situation. And, um, and so lo and behold, that's what happens. And Jacob goes up and just, I mean, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do what he did. He went up there and knocked three down and there's a video circulating of you know of our celebration when we go back and you can see coach clark give me a hug and he's yelling me i told you i told you i told you because that's what he had just told me that was going to happen and i was just like my goodness this is this is a uh, some sort of divine intervention going on going on over here so that's awesome and coach you know like as coaches we always look back and i feel like it's usually we look back in a negative way and think man, if I would have done this or if we could have put kids in this position, you know, looking back in a positive way, you know, you pull Jacob aside at the beginning of the year and you talk to him and you give him his specific role. And if you don't do that and move him to the four instead of playing yeah, the one, and- he might not be in to make that shot. Coach, that is so impactful for him and for you guys. Um, and I know there's two sides to this story, but like, the the life the life changing and the life altering um situation that he was put in in making those those three free throws and what it does for jacob's life the rest of his life right the confidence that he has the memories that he has the bonds that he created the everything positive that comes from those three free throws and then you if you think about the flip side of it right the missing missing one or missing two or missing all three and the, the life trajectory that that path could have taken. And you start to think about how this game shapes people's lives. And, you know, I think about his parents and how supportive they've been. And, like, it, it really kind of, like, rocks your world a little bit when you think about how big of a moment that was in his life and how he 
how he well he performed, and then what that's going to do for his life going on. I think these are life defining moments, and it's all about how you react and how you learn from it. And, um, you know, it's just it's really cool to think about Jacob's life and the positive impact that the game that this game will have on him. And that right there is better than like, any trophy in any case you know what i mean i know his actions resulted in a trophy which is which is the cool part about it yeah but just the what what walks around with him right now you know his that confidence that belief that love that he shared with his teammates is like man that gives me goosebumps just talking about it absolutely well, coach congratulations on a sweet championship looking back if you could go back in time to the beginning of this basketball season you know we said a couple times that this is hopefully the weirdest season that we will ever have to go through what's some advice that you would give yourself at the beginning of the season now making it all the way to the end as we moved through the season we were we were lucky enough to never really get hit with um you know covid in a sense of uh it didn't really shut us down. It didn't, we, we, we there was one game that was canceled, uh, but it wasn't on our end. It was on the opposing team's end. And, and so, but like, as you go through the season, you, there was a lack of, um, you know, how do I say it? Like, like a lack of physical touch, a lack of high fives, of hugs, of like, you know, like putting your arm around your teammate uh, in situations. And it was sure. weird. You had to avoid that the whole season because of all the protocols. So, you know, even like, literally in the championship game in our pregame you know we we had our pregame and and we stood up and i was like all right guys we've made it through the season like let's give let's give each other hugs and so we literally we went around and everybody hugged everybody and it was one of those things that like we avoided you avoided that the whole huh. season because you were told to and i think it's such an important thing when you're on a team is to have that that like camaraderie and relationships that so like going back, so I mean, I know it's a loaded question going back. Had I known that we would be safe and healthy all season long, I would have said, man, hug away, right? G give all the high fives you want, do all that. But, you know, you couldn't, but yeah. the, the 2020 hindsight is, Hey, we were safe. We were good. We completed the season. Go hug, go hug everybody. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I missed. Yeah. There were so many things about the season that were different. And I mean, for us, you know, COVID hit us in a different yeah. way because it just really affected our numbers like we're not used to. And we had some practices where we had like six or seven kids out there. So we had to jump in and, you know, the kids were practicing sure. with masks on for just like one little segment because we didn't want to do it for too long. So uh, to kind of sympathize with the kids, yeah. we put a mask on and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even breathe, man. How are you guys playing like this? You know, so there's just so many things that we had to go through, just all of us together and I mean, I feel like, and I'm sure you would probably say the same thing. Yeah. It brought our team closer together, but, you know, not, not as close as winning a championship, obviously. You guys had such a great season. The season was, was a dream, and, um, you know, got to thank my coaches that, that just were awesome all season. The players, the parents um, definitely couldn't have done it without them. And, uh, you know, just looking forward to the next season, looking forward to a summer, hopefully as numbers get better and things get better, that we can have – quote unquote, a normal, normal summer of development and not being, you know, one on one type situation. So definitely hopeful for that. Well, coach, thank congrats you. Congrats on an awesome first season as head coach over Scottsdale. 
Um, I, I, I love what you're doing Thank over you. there, and I'm so excited to see what you're able yeah, to do in the next it. few years. Appreciate it. Thanks for hopping on the show. Thank you, Thank you. Thank fun, you guys man. again just for promoting us and, and, and promoting uh, just small basketball. Thanks for tuning in to Coach's Corner. We know you guys are loving the show, but help us out. Hop on Apple Podcasts and write us a review. If you're bummed out that basketball season is over, don't even worry about it. We got you covered because we're keeping this thing rolling all the way through the offseason. As coaches, we know the grind never stops. Stay tuned for all of our episodes coming up because we got some great ones for you. Till next time, guys. Small ball forever.